I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is the Beyond the Mouse podcast, the podcast for all things Disney for NPR Illinois Community Voices and for the Front Row Network. I'm your host today, Craig, joined by one of my co-hosts, Ms. Vanessa Ferguson. Hey, Craig, how you doing? I'm doing just great. And we also have a really special guest. I'm excited to bring this guy onto the show. Uh, we know him locally here in the Springfield area from his work with Midwest Family Broadcasting, WMAY and WQLZ. We have Mike Winmacher here with us tonight. How are you, Mike? Good. Thank you, Craig and Vanessa. It's a real pleasure to be joining you guys, a huge Disney fan. So to uh, be able to join you guys on this is uh, quite the endeavor for me. I'm looking forward to it. So basically, listener, between I'm literally in between these two on my Zoom screen, and I'm between two radio professionals. And for some reason, they're allowing me to host. So that's where you're at today. I'm off the clock. I'm just having fun. You you used to be the professional here. Yeah, <laughs> set right. that, that bar a lot lower, Craig. Now, Mike, <laughs> you were just talking about you love Disney World, and you've made a lot of friends in that area. And actually, you're heading back down there really shortly. Um, but I wanted to ask the question that we normally ask everyone when they first come onto the show, and that is, what is your favorite film overall? But then also, what is your favorite Disney film? So you can take those in any order you want. Oh wow, boy! That's uh, how much time do you have? Um... Favorite Disney film? Boy, there's so many. I would probably have to say recency bias because I just watched it recently. I really love Coco. I mean, I guess that may mm -hmm. be, that's Disney Pixar. So if you're going that route, I'm going to go Coco. I really love that one a lot. Um, as far as like the old school animation, I'm partial to Stitch. I know that's kind of like a hot take for people, but I, I really enjoy that character. Uh, I really enjoyed that film. Overall, I'm, you know, a guy that you actually were able to uh, interview, Craig, in St. Louis. I love Kevin Smith, a lot of those mm -hmm. movies when I was younger. And I'm a big Quentin Tarantino guy, too. So it's kind of weird. It's a dichotomy. It's like, I love Disney, but I love like the dark humor guys, too. So yeah, you need a little bit of, <laughs> of it all in your life. And talk about like that soundtrack for Lilo and Stitch. Hawaiian ro roller coaster. Oh, ride yes. is, is like a perfect song. It's so oh. incredible. So I totally it, get that. Yeah, and the and the whole kind of montage with him, you know, Devil in Disguise. I, I always crack a smile whenever that that rolls. Like it's just always so much fun. So I got a soft place in my heart for Stitch. That's awesome. Well, we are so glad you're here with us tonight to talk about Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. And this, I, I'll tell you what. Immediately when I when I watch this. I put on our podcast pals group that this was my favorite film of 2022. So I'm not going to bury the lead here with me. I absolutely loved this film and I can't wait to talk about it, but I want to get your opinions on it. So what we normally do in these full disclosures is the first couple of minutes we want to spend doing sort of a non-spoiler review here. And so I know there's not necessarily a ton of spoilers that go along with this show, but let's just do your first impressions. And if someone, if you're almost encouraging or discouraging someone from watching Watching this show, what would you tell them about Chippendale Rescue Rangers? And I'll start with our guest with Mike first. I'm not going to lie to you. When I first heard about this, I was a little skeptical. I was like, okay, do we need a Rescue Rangers movie? The If you have Disney Plus, the Chippendale Park life was underwhelming for me. So I was like, okay, where are they going to go with this? And I was, I was so pleasantly surprised with this take on Chippendale. Like the first trailer got me very interested, like, okay, now I want to check it. Now it's must-see for me. Like, at first, it's like, eventually I'll get around to it. There's other things I want to stream. But that first trailer hit, I'm like, okay, this I like the irreverent take. I like the humor in it. 
And I, I'm like you, Greg, I would recommend. I don't know if it's the best film of 2022, but it's definitely one I thoroughly enjoyed and would recommend to others. I, now, again, the best film that I've seen, I saw that in our group, by the way, uh, one of our really loyal listeners, Anker, asked, what about the Batman? If you know anything about me and my Marvel loving heart, I have not seen the Batman. I have not seen <laughs> so many depressing superhero movies. So Anker, you got to you got to remember that that's that's where I'm at right now. But Vanessa, what about you when someone's thinking like, OK, I've got the Disney Plus subscription. Should I turn this movie on? What are you telling them right off the bat? Oh, yeah, definitely. This is a, a really fun movie. Uh, I don't know why, but because it released directly to Disney Plus, I had this impression that maybe it was going to be low quality. It wasn't going to be very good, but I was pleasantly surprised by how fun it is. Uh, it's a little bit like it's a little bit like Wreck-It Ralph and it has lots of Easter eggs and it's a little bit like Who Framed Roger Rabbit? almost too. So it's fun. And I would definitely recommend people check it out. You know, you bring up an interesting point because they're going to have a lot of these direct to Disney plus type films. We know that Hocus Pocus 2 is set that way. Uh, Pinocchio, which stars Tom Hanks, is going to be coming as a direct to Disney plus. So I had the same kind of concern. Like, are they going to put something that maybe they're not as confident in on this platform. But truly, I think this is something that really could have done very well in a theatrical release, especially with some kind of word of mouth that would be going on with this. And I do wonder if maybe they at least sneak it into theaters. I don't know the percentage of what needs to be animated to be able to be in some kind of awards contention for uh, best animated feature. Disney and Pixar both have, they have Lightyear coming out. They have Strange World coming out. I think it's called Strange World coming out in November. So I'm sure that that's probably more of what they're going on for that. But I will say that I, I think you're right when it's like kind of the spiritual successor to Who Framed Roger Rabbit in that it's irreverent in a lot of ways. Uh, it has that kind of slapsticky comedy it's not so much a noir as it is more of like a buddy cop movie in which this is kind of what you're expecting out of Chip and Dale, right? So I really enjoyed the nostalgia factor. I mean, I'm a kid of the 90s. I was born in the 80s, but I really lived in the 90s. So seeing all those cartoons come together and then the little Easter eggs that we're going to be getting throughout uh, just really just melted my heart. Uh, and so I would say that if you are someone that has not watched Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers yet, I think you have three people telling you that you should go and check it out. It runs about an hour and a half, which as you know, someone like me that complains about the length of movies all of the time, oh. an hour and a half, you're in, you're out, you're laughing. It's funny. Maybe you get a little teary because of uh, some reunions that might happen throughout the show, <laughs> but it is just a really wonderful wonderful cartoon animation uh, live action mix film uh, much in the way of a who framed roger rabbit and i can't recommend it enough but any other thoughts before we get into more like where we can actually talk about all these easter eggs that we're talking about and all these spoilers any thoughts before we leave non-spoiler territory i think uh you're right about roger rabbit it did kind of just because of the way it's set up and also i do have to give props to whoever is in disney legal the lawyers that had to work out the contracts to get that many non-Disney properties to be able to show up in this particular film, that was the real impressive part. Because there's some where you're just like, how did, wait, what was that? Like you had to rewind and be like, did they really get those characters to come into a Disney movie? Like, how did that work out in, in 2022? So props to them. 
Uh, and props to the filmmakers for going for it and being like, hey, we want to put this out. Free Guy may have led the way on that for them because of mm-hmm. some of the things that showed up in Free Guy. Uh, so kudos to the legal team and whoever it was that be able to work through all those contracts to get so many cool Easter eggs in this film. And you bring up another great film from last year. Free Guy was so amazing, but it was slightly more adult in mm-hmm. its tone. And, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily let my six-year-old watch Free Guy for multiple different reasons. But this, Chippendale, is something that is very, in my mind, family-friendly. There are some more adult-themed jokes and things that I think will go over kids' heads. But I think that this is uh, really open to all ages. Do you tend to agree with that, Vanessa? It's family-friendly, but it's... Not the cute, charming, cuddly little Chippendale that you might remember. So I would say maybe keep that in mind as you start this movie. If you're expecting the TV series, it's not quite that. And the good part about Disney Plus is that the TV series is right there for you if you end up not enjoying this as much as we did. But I think it's time to at least dive into some of these Easter eggs and things like that that we want to get into. So let's go ahead and let you know that if you have not seen the film, we are going to start spoiling it here now. Uh, So make sure that you come back, pause us, come back after you've watched the film, and then you can uh, experience the full discussion here. But was we saw some South Park characters in there, right, Mike? Yeah, we did. We saw Randy Marsh and probably the most family-friendly South Park thing ever, to be honest with you. It was just like, that was one of the ones where I had to stop. I'm like, wait a minute. Is that really, like, is that really a, Randy, Stan's dad is in the Russian bathhouse? Like, what, what is going on here? Yeah, so that one stood out. Uh, I love the Comic-Con stuff. As a kid, much like you, Craig, I was born in the late 70s. We grew up in the 80s. So seeing He-Man and Skeletor making the uh, cameo appearance that would that one did it for me i was like yes he man and skeletor loved it and then let's talk about the whole um sonic you know paramount just put out sonic the hedgehog 2 actually my son tonight it's streaming now on paramount plus and we had went to see it in the movie theaters and he keeps asking me every day when is it going to be at home and i tried to explain to him that like back in the day you know we had to wait six months to a year before the VHS copy came out to rent. So, but now he's, you know, he's greedy and uh, he just watched it actually tonight. And I'm thinking that it, it might've been actually a genius move to have ugly Sonic in this film because it helps promote the Sonic two as well, especially because like, it does seem like the timing seems to, to match up, but I am so surprised that after the backlash that that trailer had gotten that they allowed them to be able to use this character in this way. And it wasn't even like a, a brief cameo. I mean, he is a reoccurring character in this film. Yeah. I, Vanessa? Uh, no, I was going to say, Mike, you're going to have to comment on this because I am not familiar with Sonic well, the Hedgehog let, or his teeth. Well, let me explain. Uh, so the, the joke is that when the original Sonic the Hedgehog movie trailer came out, there was such a negative reaction to the look and appearance of Sonic one of the major chief complaints was that they gave him human teeth and people kind of that uncanny valley, which by the way, when we go to and you see the cats figures, come on, that's also something in this film. But, um, but no, the, it's like, so what they ended up doing was they went back kind of to the drawing board, literally, and reimagined what Sonic would look like after that first trailer. And now, of course, Sonic goes on to make millions and millions upon millions of dollars. And now it's a, a bona fide franchise. But at the time, people had actually thought it might flop. And so it was kind of this weird back and forth between like, 
should the fan community have so much sway in negative reviews that you actually go in and alter the film in this way? So it's kind of interesting that now they're sort of leaning into that and allowing for this film to use Ugly Sonic. Uh, and that is the original Sonic from that trailer. Wow. Does that make more I'm sense? So, I'm surprised you know so much about characters from other studios. It's a good thing Brett isn't here. I know so much about <laughs> geeky internet things. That's what I, I know a lot about. I will say this. The one part about Ugly Sonic that I love was the fixation on the teeth. And it kind of reminded me a little bit humor-wise of, I can't remember which Austin Power movie it was, where they talked about the guy with the mole and don't stare at the mole. And that's the kind of vibe I got with that, like, joke, keep coming back over and over, like, where they would zoom in and, like, there's, you couldn't think of anything else but those creepy teeth on Sonic the Hedgehog. It felt mm -hmm. like a great callback joke throughout the entire movie. But, of course, then we get... We get Roger Rabbit. We get, um, again, we get to see the cats uh, from the live action production. And actually, that is one of the main reasons I was begging Lou Hare to come on to this podcast because <laughs> cats were in this movie. Um, but unfortunately, the scheduling just didn't quite work out. But there's just so many cool other Easter eggs as well. Is there anyone just kind of right up at the front here that you wanted to call out as well that you were just really excited to see? I know, Mike, you said He-Man and Skeletor. Uh, Tigra was also in there as well. That was but what I was going to mention. That's a deep cut for Avengers fans, for comic book nerds, Tiger being in there. Absolutely. Uh, any, how about you, Vanessa? Any that jumped out at you? Well, I thought it was cool to have Lumiere and Flounder uh, make an appearance in this movie. I wasn't expecting these characters from such honestly big movies, but I guess the Disney Renaissance has been a minute. So it's been, it was great to see them. Um, but I kind of want to, can we talk about John Mulaney and how great he is in this? I mean, we he's sure, so we sure good. Yes. The, the last thing I want to mention on Easter eggy things is that Mike, you mentioned before the legal team and their effort that they had to do. I wonder if the legal effort to get some of the other Disney properties right. was just oh. as tough. <laughs> things like right. Lumiere you know, and Flounder, but, but yeah, let's, let's dive into some of the voice acting that happens. Of course we have Andy Samberg and then the great John Mulaney. Um, voicing our John Mulaney as Chip and then Andy Samberg as Dale. But let's go to John Mulaney. Vanessa, talk to us about him. So this is where I say this is not the cute and fuzzy Chip and Dale that you remember. John Mulaney brings a whole nother level to this character. It's a little bit uh, more adult, a little more satirical. It's super, super funny. He is so great as Chip. He just delivers so many awesome lines. Uh, I, th I love this scene where he he's saying goodbye to characters and he's like, goodbye. And Dale, you were also here. I mean, it's just those those little moments that are so John Mulaney that I don't expect the writers to actually have written for him. I have a feeling that he just came up with this on his own because he's that talented. And for me, he makes the movie. Um, Andy Samberg, he's he's good. But it's John Mulaney that really, I think, makes this movie so hilarious. You know, well, this movie, in my mind, is so much more about Chip's journey, right? I mean, it's kind of like he's the one that has the heart in this. And Dale does, too, clearly. I mean, it, it does come around to that. But I do agree that John Mulaney is the focal point of our entire adventure here. And I think that he delivers his, you know, I love John Mulaney's stand up in the intonation that he uses, like that John Mulaney voice that he had as Spider-Ham in Into the Spider-Verse. I mean, <laughs> right. like, you know, it, it's just that like, you, you clearly know who it is, 
And he's not necessarily having to necessarily act outside of his normal everyday life here, but it's just hilarious. His delivery is so, his comedic timing is so impeccable, even in something like a voiceover like this. But uh, your thoughts, Mike, on John Mulaney? I think Mulaney is fantastic. I think the interplay between the two, I don't know if Mulaney comes off as great as he is if you don't have a foil like Sandberg as Dale. Like the two together, because the, the way of Sandberg is so just kind of oblivious to everything. Like, yeah, why why wouldn't I drive a human car? You know, it's like, you know, when, when Chip is just kind of so grounded and Dale's like, come on, man. And so that interplay to me is fantastic. And, and you're right. The, the dry kind of satirical, the yin and the yang is what makes the whole thing work. And they both do fantastic voice work in this one. See, what am I telling you? Radio professional moving us right from John Mulaney to Andy Sandberg in just <laughs> one foul swoop. It was just such, <laughs> such a great segue there. But, you know, I, I totally agree. And I kind of want to also see the pilot, the failed pilot of Double O Dale. Don't yeah. you? <laughs> oh, who doesn't? That looks fantastic. <laughs> They should have totally put that out as like a bonus feature or something <laughs> like that, right? Uh, I, I do think he does uh, also a, a great job here as well. Um, again, I'm more of a Mulaney fan, but I think that you're right in the chemistry that these two bring together because you have to believe that Chip and Dale ultimately need each other to succeed. And that's exactly what this movie gives us. We see that Chip doesn't really have the lines at the Comic-Con that he's hoping for. And he's trying to get all these followers on their version of Instagram and all of that, but he's just missing that. And Tiger actually says, don't you think that this would be so much better if Dale was here? Um, and so they know that they need each other. And even if Dale is more reluctant to that fact, he knows he needs Chip. And I think that it's because of the uh, great work that these two have put into their voice acting. Vanessa, you have any thoughts on Sandberg? You know, I think with him in general, I, I think sometimes people, these comedians get cast and the thought is, oh, they're comedians. They're going to be hilarious. But just like with Mike, what Mike was saying is that he is the foil character. And I think with Andy, what he does so well in his career is more the creator's content of what he does and some of the things that he writes, not necessarily for me personally, I'm going to have some haters come after me on this. For me, his acting of just kind of the dummy doesn't really strike me as super witty or funny. Um, I mean, you know, hilariously so. Obviously, he's very funny, but it just is not my favorite. But uh, yeah, I think Mike's right that he's got to play this foil and he does a good job of that. I think just I was thinking maybe since he is that comedian, since he is a, a really creative and a great writer, that maybe we would see a little bit more from him. But, you know, he serves his purpose in the movie and he works really well with John Mulaney. And so it's a hit. The thing about Sandberg is, to your point, Vanessa, he has made a career about being the lovable doofus. Right. And I mean, there is no better way to kind of explain what Dale is in this incarnation of Rescue Rangers, but a lovable doofus who is just trying to, with all his might, to recapture that past glory. And he, and he doesn't want to give up on it. And so that's why he's on there doing the social media. And I love that kind of part of it. Like, oh, you got to get your name out there and that kind of stuff. So you're right. The interplay is great. But yeah, Sandberg is a lovable doofus and it's right in his wheelhouse in this role. You know, one thing that I did want to bring up here that is slight controversy, at least something that I've heard amongst uh, different podcasts that I listen to and things like that, uh, mainly between the, the voice acting community, is that a lot of times in these uh, iterations where we bring something to the big screen, we do cast these big high powered Hollywood stars in these roles 
for example, we have a Super Mario movie coming out where Chris Pratt is going to be Mario, um, those kind of things. But I, I guess, does that, did that bump, did you two bump into that at all? The fact that I, I, I believe that all of the voice actors, the original voice actors were given cameos in this film. So they do have some kind of credits to this film, but I just wanted to explore that and see if there's any thoughts that you might have with that. Mike? Um, I mean, it, I get it. It doesn't, the fact that the original gadget showed up was fun. I love the Dennis Hasbart is zipper. Like that, that was fantastic. <laughs> Where like he opens his mouth, you're like, oh, as a as a kid who grew up with Major League, it's like, oh, Pedro Serrano is now Zipper. That's interesting. Or the president from 24, whatever it may be. Oh, it's so funny because um, I went immediately to Allstate and then he starts oh, talking about insurance. Yeah, and like that's, that's exactly true. what I went to. <laughs> uh and the other thing that really threw me for a loop was I always forget Eric Ban is Australian. Cause like I for the longest time, I'm like, who is Monterey Jack? Who is Monterey Jack? So I look it up, I'm like. The the one in the bad the, the guy from the Bad Hulk movie is Monterey Jack. Like, like what? But yeah, no, he's he's Australian. So I understand kind of, you know, the original cast made the characters and you know, that's kind of the nostalgia. But they to your point, Craig, they all kind of got a cameo. And mm-hmm. I think if you're going to do a reboot like this, you bring new life by bringing in different takes on those old school characters. And that's how you get a movie like we got with the Rescue Rangers. So I think what we can do now, unless Vanessa, do you have any comments on voice actors? No, you're giving me the move on (laughs) single here. Um, Let's talk about, is there any other voice actors you wanted to call out? Because I just wanted to express my undying love for J.K. Simmons in any role that he plays. Uh, He's just, we don't deserve J.K. Simmons, I don't think. Um, He is just wonderful in everything he does, whether it's J. Jonah Jameson or even Commissioner Gordon or playing this like sneaky uh, cop, bad cop in this film who happens to be like Gumby. I I also love that they, and this kind of more goes into the visuals, but the mixed animation and and kind of almost seeing the, the way animation had changed over the years and seeing that he was in claymation. And then you have, of course, Dale, who's in the normal 2D but then Chip, who went through his CGI surgery, I just think that that is all really interesting from someone that just kind of appreciates animation. But I love J.K. Simmons. I think he uh, nailed it in this role. I think he's a great um, he's a great villain for us to be able to root against towards the end <laughs> once that turn happens. Because they were definitely in this script, they were making it seem very much like Ellie was our villain, mm-hmm. right? And so they're leading you down that path and then it kind of takes the turn. And I like that it sort of subverted my expectation of that because she started saying things that were really, and I think it was Dale that picks up on this, just really out of the norm, like, oh, your, your grandma recorded because we were never in Albany, which by the way, the Disney channel was everywhere. What are they right. talking about? <laughs> I did notice that when they panned across that map, there was a little pin in Springfield, Illinois. So apparently we got the Chippendale Rescue Rangers, but um, that's going more into the plot. And I'll talk about that in a second, but I did want to open it up and say, Vanessa, is there anybody else you wanted to call out here as far as characters uh, and voice actors? Yes. Oh my goodness. The cameo with Seth Rogen, multiple cameos. So, so funny. It was so good. First of all, he plays, what is this? Like they call it polar express eyes troll character uh, or whatever he is. He looks like a Lord of the Rings character, but that is so, so funny. And then later on every other character that 
Seth Brogan has uh, given voice to, he does that character as well, but he's doing the character. So it's just, if you get to that moment, just know that I was laughing as well. So we can have that moment together because it is so, so funny, but he is so great in this. Yeah, I completely agree. Mike? Uh, I agree with J.K. Simmons. I agree with Rogan, that whole meta moment where you see Bob and, and Kung Fu Panda Mantis and everything and, and, and Pumbaa. But let's not forget Will Arnett. I mean, Will Arnett as just like this sleazy, just kind of like hates life, got, you know, got thrown to the curb when he outgrew being his boyish charm as Peter Pan, as a, like just this swarmy adult. Arnett plays that character fantastic. And he also has that kind of J.K. Simmons villain quality where you're like, this is a guy I can root against. This, and talk this about somebody that has that uh, gravitas from his previous voice acting roles. I mean, Will Arnett's just been crushing the voice acting game yes. for a long, long time now. Yeah, between Batman and the Lego movie. So yeah, I, I, they all work so well together. And I think that's what makes the movie that much more enjoyable because they just jumped into these characters and kind of threw caution in the wind. or like, all right, you want me to do this? Just like kind of downtrodden, like kind of jerk Peter Pan. Sure, I got the great, I got the right voice for that. This is how we're going to roll. And I want to jump into more of the uh, writing and just the story that we have going on here as well. I want to mention the fact that Rachel Bloom is also a lot of different voices in this cast. And of course, if you have not seen Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, it is a masterpiece. Vanessa, have you ever seen that? Um, I've not seen. Oh, Vanessa. Crazy That actually might end up being, that might end up being your favorite show of all time. Oh, you, uh, okay. you let me know if I'm right or not, but uh, it's actually, this, this was written by her husband. He was one of the writers on this. It was, uh, and they do such a great job. Like I said, of men, like basically bringing in all of these different elements from all these different animation styles and then giving us an irreverent story. I think that that's what kind of threw me for a loop the most because I had seen some of the trailers, but I didn't know that they were going to go so far uh, into more of that irreverent nature of what we ended up ultimately getting. And I think that that's what makes this so much fun and clearly what I think could make the basis of a franchise moving forward. Now, like this is getting such rave reviews and such rave uh, reactions on social media that I can imagine it's getting a lot of views on Disney plus. And so uh, I would see maybe something else in the future, but let's talk a bit about the writing, Mike, you, do you have anything you wanted to mention about the actual script, the plot, how they gave us our story? I, I think you, you hit on a great point, the irreverence of it, but also there's heart to it, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they, they, they have that nice balance. It's one thing they could have just constantly played the irreverent card and that, that joke eventually runs out, but there is such heart and it's, it's a timely story too, with, you know, this social media thrown in there, the way trying to recapture fame, they're able to meld that all together with the melding of the animation. And you just kind of, you sit there when it's done and kind of an awe of like, dang, they knocked that out of the park. Like the way they were able to weave that all together was really impressive to me. And the quips, the the jokes that were given, I don't know how much, you know, we never know necessarily how much of this is improv on the fly, but a lot of times with voiceover and animation, depending on where it's at in the process, you know, they've got to go back and they have to render a whole lot if you're not following much of the script. And so I don't know if it was as improv as something like that we would expect from a John Mulaney and Andy Samberg um, on the fly. 
and how much more of it was actually scripted and these jokes just land so well. But Vanessa, any thoughts on uh, our script, our story here? Yeah, I, I think the script is written with a audience in mind that is looking for nostalgia. Right. And for that mm -hmm. reason, yeah. that irreverence is it's there, but it's also everyone's in on the joke. Uh -huh. And so it's not a mean spirited. We're making fun of these genres. We're not making, we're not really making, I mean, we are making fun of Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog, but like we're in on the joke. And so that opens the door to these, these lines that are so hilarious in these moments and these cameos. I think one of my favorites is, you know, like with most villains, sometimes you have to find something about the villain that you're rooting for. If you make a truly evil villain, everybody just wants like, um, okay, different, different studio here, but Brett's not here. Brett's so we not can talk here. About it's okay. It. So like Professor Umbridge and Harry Potter, everybody hates that character. Everybody wants that character to go down. There's nothing appealing about that character. But some people like Lord Voldemort. They like Snape, you know, so we have people who like Jafar and we have people like Ursula because there's something slightly relatable to the evilness. And I think that's the case with um, Peter Pan and, and the line where <laughs> the, the character, the kid, the lost boy said, Peter, is that you? you? You got old. Yeah, death is coming for us all, kid. I mean, that's that's <laughs> what we're all thinking as we've gotten old and we're looking back on our uh, nostalgic childhood characters. It's like, yeah, yeah, we're all getting old. Death's coming. So, you know, we're all in on it. It's, wow, it went dark there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but it's hilarious. And that's what makes Peter Pan as a villain kind of fun i mean you don't want him to win but part of you is like why well, i understand where he's coming from i like also... that moment where you saw peter pan grow old i liked that like little stubble like with a little bit of stubble and everything it was just so great but no. mike you were saying something oh it was also interesting to see the cuddly coca-cola bear being a bad guy as well yes. like you know everybody thinks oh warm and it's the christmas time oh look it's the coca-cola and it's about ready to eat chip and dale you're like okay <laughs> this is a different take all right i'm in i'm in oh yeah it was just it was just so uh, it was well written and well delivered in what they brought us um, I do think that, you know, we've talked about a lot of different scenes that we really enjoyed, but I want to, I just have to say that the, the scenes that occurred at the Comic-Con so perfectly encapsulated what it is at a Comic-Con, you know, Vanessa and I were just in St. Louis for Fan Expo. And um, it's just like, it was like perfect timing to see this right after that, because those lines of fans that are going around and then, you know, the Lumiere when he burns the $5 bill and he's like, I really needed that cash. You, there are some people that you walk through that celebrity alley and you're like, oh yeah, they're here a lot. Uh, looking at you, Lou Ferrigno, um, you know, but like, it just, it, it just really, it was great. It, it really this whole it was like movie is a comic con for essentially it's like reference after reference after reference. It felt like walking with you. I'm glad you had a great time <laughs> at the convention, but I think you can speak to this where I was like next to you, like, oh, this is a bit overwhelming. And that's how I felt a little bit in this movie. It was just like punch after punch with joke, joke, reference, reference. And I'm like, this is exactly representation of that weekend when we were in St. Louis. This is crazy. 
Mike, I got to tell you, this is what happened. So Vanessa and Brett got to our booth at Comic-Con and then immediately, like within five minutes, they walked to like a quiet area to just sit by themselves. Oh no. It's like, I just turned to, I turned to everyone else and I was like, where did Brett and Vanessa go? And they were like, oh, I I think Vanessa's a little overwhelmed. (laughs) That's what someone told me. I'm the one quiet place and I'm like, just nobody talk to me right now. She she couldn't handle all the people like for one of the Power Rangers, like freaking out, like, oh God, it's a great. Green Ranger. Oh, I need the Red Rangers autograph to complete my set. Yeah, there, there exactly. was just too much. <laughs> yeah. I will, I will say, kind of Power Rangery. I marked out for Voltron uh, when Voltron is showing. Like as a kid who grew up in the '80s, I was like, oh my, I, I loved Voltron. I had the entire set of all the lions, and I'm like, that's a deep cut. Not a lot of people are going to be down with the Voltron, but this guy was. Yeah, that is perfect. Did you have any particular scene that you really enjoyed, Mike? I, you know, the interplay between Chip and Dale, I love, I love the driving in the car, just the ridiculousness of him driving the, uh, the human sized car and Chip continuing to point out like, you know, they make Chip, well, why would I do that? You know, and then the conversation they had within that car and it kind of reminded me much to, you know, we brought up Who Framed Roger Rabbit. If you've watched behind the scenes, the way that car was set up almost felt like it was the, you know, Benny the Cab kind of exoskeleton from behind the scene. So that was also kind of a deep cut there. So I, I enjoyed that. Uh, a lot of the, the ones where they had to do the Mission Impossible through the through the uh, bootlegger machine, that was pretty uh, impressive as well. Because then you saw Chippendale in so many different, like when they threw the Rick and Morty Chippendale kind of sketch up there, that scene was pretty impressive. Like that's when you have to pause and go through scene by scene and be like, okay, that's Simpsons, that's Family Guy, that's Rick and Morty. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah, just seeing all those different iterations of them was extremely cool. And um, also them referencing some of their past episodes. I thought that was kind of like a good nod to people that really did enjoy the series. And they're like, oh yeah, like the the birds attacking them and whatnot, like (laughs) having that come from one of the episodes. And um, it's just interesting for them to like basically kind of meta like self-reference themselves as well and i thought that was a good job of like bringing in that audience that may have grown up on those cartoons and may remember some of those episodes that they're referencing but vanessa any particular scenes that stick out to you oh you got one yes i actually have two i'm so sorry if i take yours but i have two so the first one which i find so hilarious is just this moment between chip and dale and it's in the beginning of the movie and they're in their trailer dale wants to take a call of his call from his agent after just dropping this bomb on chip that he's he's going to be uh going his own way and, and trying to make his own series and chip's like do not take that call we are not done talking do not don't do not and it's so funny it's just john it's so perfect john mulaney and you know you're not watching a normal chip and dale TV series show like this is its own funny thing. They have their own dynamic. It's so hilarious. It's so perfect. That that scene makes me laugh every time. The other one, which is again making fun of us and we're in on the joke, is that <laughs> Main Street USA oh, yes. is this like scene for like underground crime and uh implied drug usage, although we call it cheese. You have any stinky cheese you the cops <laughs> it's just so and, and that's keegan michael key is is the voice of that particular that shocked me too i was like holy cow yeah that scene was great that's a great call Vanessa. 
they called in a lot of favors for this because I can't imagine that the budget for this film allows for this kind of voice talent to come in and like all these high powered actors. So I'm sure that they were like, hey, uh, they were calling in a couple of favors here and there, I would think for sure. Um, Yeah, you know, I would just say, in addition to the Comic-Con scenes that I really loved, I really enjoyed that whole concept of like the CGI machine and then also how that turned into kind of the concept for the bootlegging as well. And it's interesting because I I guess maybe I'm naive to this because, you know, torrents were such a big thing like a few, you know, about a decade ago or so now, but is bootlegging like a huge issue still or is it, I guess maybe it is, I don't know. I don't know if like, now this is just me remembering, trying to remember, and I have a terrible memory now, but I want to say that like in the nineties, when you would be waiting for like Pocahontas, there Uh would be an off-brand Native American lead female story on the movie. And it's like, well, I don't have Pocahontas yet. So I guess I'll watch this or something like that. Like, remember too, um, there used to be like Thumbelina and the Swan Princess, which those were good movies in their own right. But it kind of falls along that these are kind of off brand. They're not from the Disney studios. So not necessarily bootleg, but it definitely reminded me of that time frame when you have all these kind of strange children's movies coming out. Yeah, it was that. And I think within the movie themselves, they kind of reference that they send them overseas. So mm-hmm. it's like, that's how Peter Pan's kind of making his money overseas. And I will say, you know, when we're talking about scenes, the the Winnie the Pooh kind of bootleg was, that made that made me laugh a little bit. Just the, just the names they came up with in the script for some of those, like when they come to like, you know, the 100,000 acre like forest or whatever, instead of 100 acre woods, like <laughs> that that really made me chuckle a little bit too. Well, and I I do remember like Jay Hoffman, our flashbacks host, he would talk about when he was on tour in Iraq um, and like he would have all the bootlegs. So you're probably it it probably is talking more about that market that maybe I just don't know about. But I do still love that concept. I love the Mission Impossible scenes. I love the setup that we get there. And I love that the Rescue Rangers do come together at the end because that's the reunion that we all wanted uh, at the beginning of this film. And so it's cool to see them all back together as well. I know that some people have been complaining about particularly Zipper's voice. Like they, they like that, that was off-putting to them when I was looking, like scrolling through Disney Twitter and things like that. But I thought it was just great to have all five of them there and they're all back together and they're all doing that super awkward long laugh. I love that they called that out because I did uh, notice that even last year watching those with my son. I love the worst. I love Gadget's line. The worse the joke, the longer we laugh. Like that, like that really hit home. Like they got to make it look real. Keep it going. Keep that joke going. I just love when they're like, they're going to call cut at the very beginning and they're all like starting to cry because they're like, they're like laughing for too long. It's just great. But we, we've been gushing about this movie for quite a bit. So I'm wondering if there is anything uh, before we start to wrap up, anything that you would have liked to see differently in this film or anything that you would like to change. And Vanessa, I'm going to put you on the hot seat this time because I've been picking on Mike quite a bit. Yeah. So and I think I'm going to speak speak for Brett when I say this. 
is that when when Brett and I go to the movies and we watch some of the trailers and sometimes they'll slip in trailers from the other studios, right? So we're going to see a Disney show and then here's a trailer for something so, so silly. And there's usually this blue collar kind of low grade humor that are in the trailers. And I think because this is a little bit more adult nostalgic take on this on these characters we see a little bit of that i don't think in a normal disney movie you'd have anybody saying yeah i I do my run so it looks like a butt you know it's like ah there's there it is there's that kind of uh blue collary kind of humor that you don't normally a little low brown not super witty uh that you see in uh you know some of the other studios uh, film so that that is my one complaint uh but you know i think if you go into it knowing that this is uh, a clever take on chip and dale it's not the cute like I keep saying the cute little sweet and fuzzy chipmunks that you might remember it's not that you're gonna have a great time it's a great movie and it's very enjoyable yeah and you know i mean even Sausage Party had music by Alan Menken. No, no, we don't talk. About, that is the one blemish on that, that, my love of Seth, Alan Menken. That Seth Rogen character does not show up in this one, though. Yeah. Surprise, yeah. Surprisingly enough, that's the one animated Seth Rogen that doesn't end up making it into this film. That's interesting. Uh, hmm. Imagine that, right? Yeah, but, imagine that. Mike, what, what about you? Is there anything that you wish would have been done a little bit differently here? I think the biggest thing for me is... I got a couple things like if you were a kid who grew up in that whole block of like that afternoon programming for Disney, right? Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, Darkwing Duck, even to the Gummy Bears, they the rest of those shows didn't really get a ton of representation. There were mm-hmm. if you stay through the credits, you you get the Easter eggs if you stick around long enough. Uh, so that as because my wife is a huge fan, like that's more her wheelhouse than mine. I was a little bit older than that. So she was kind of disappointed you didn't see the gummy bears. You didn't see more of that. I also am kind of interested in the take of Baloo, right? You had three different mm-hmm. kind of cho- choices with Baloo. And it being Rescue Rangers, you thought maybe they go Tailspin Baloo, but they go Favreau, New Jungle Book, Reboot Baloo. And that was yep. kind of an interesting take for me in the way this movie was put together. And not yeah, even the original voice of Blue, I don't think. That did not sound that did not sound Bill like Murray. Bill Murray. It was not Bill Murray. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think it was the original Jungle Book one either. I, and I don't think it was even the tailspin voice. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. But that was an interesting yeah, choice. Uh, Sterling Holloway was the original blue, and I think he's passed um right. for sure. But uh at least I think no, I could be wrong at that. Brett's yelling at me right now. He's looking at his phone <laughs> and yelling at me somebody was the original blue okay okay uh but 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 no i i I, like i i do agree that was kind of like that one was a little bit odd um that choice for sure but you know overall i've got to say that i again thoroughly enjoyed this film i'm gonna go back and rewatch it and i'm gonna love it If, if i need something just to cheer me up i can put it in that uh ted lasso category of just like be able to to watch something just to have fun with it and and to enjoy it um i if i had any gripes about this it would probably be in the marketing campaign before it because i did not uh, expect to enjoy this movie as much as i did i guess because i it, and i think that i hope that it reaches the audience that it has potential to in that it's on Disney Plus, so it's already limited its access to that. There's not going to be as wide of a scope of word of mouth 
uh, if it was a theatrical release. But then also, if you watch those trailers, they didn't really give you what this movie was going to be. And I, I guess because they wanted to save so many of those Easter eggs and, and so many of those cameos are what kind of helps make and pad out the rest of the film. But I just, I, for some reason, it, the marketing did not do it for me. But the film itself, I love, and I can't wait to see like 12 more of these because I do think we are absolutely getting a sequel to this. I mean, it, like it, it's gonna, you don't think so, Vanessa? No, no. Well, just because there, it took, I mean, come on. It took so much to do all the Easter eggs, all the voice cameos. I mean, that is so much coordination. I, I think it would be a, a hard movie to top. I would love to see a second one. I just think that's a, that's a, a large order, uh, but who knows? Maybe you're right. I don't know. I, know. I think you go back to that. Well, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I was going to say, I read earlier today, actually, that they were talking to the writer, Rachel Bloom's husband, and he is already thinking that route. They're already having ideas, storyboarding, having creatives about a second movie. And I think they have that ability because it's Disney Plus, right? I think mm-hmm. it'd be I think it'd be more difficult to make a second one and then release that second one in the theater when the first one wasn't. So they have more leeway of Disney Plus. Disney Plus is always looking for more original content. This one has gotten such good word of mouth that people now will probably watch the second one regardless. So yeah, it may, it may not have as many Easter eggs. It may be more of a focus of, okay, the Rescue Rangers are back together. Where does that story go now? So they may not need as many Easter eggs. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I do wonder if there is some kind of FOMO out there with some of these uh, maybe different people that they wanted to bring in, but weren't able to secure a deal. And now they're seeing that they could have had their property represented in a film that's being received pretty well. And, you know, I, I think that that also might be something that that may benefit them in the future for sure. But as we start to move into final thoughts here, you know, Mike, you are our guest anything that you have to say that you haven't had a chance to talk about yet with this film as we start to wrap up? Uh, The only thing I would say is, do we see, you know, Darkwing Duck makes an appearance at the end. Do we see the 90 nostalgia? Do we see now maybe a Darkwing Duck movie? Can that, can that, can that, because I feel like that could play in the same environment. We could have a shared universe. Uh, I know Disney loves doing that, but you could do a shared universe of, Darkwing Duck is in the same universe as Rescue Rangers, and the, there's crossover potential there. So do we see the success of this open the door for maybe some of those other 90s Disney properties that were more television shows getting an opportunity to have a movie on Disney Plus? Oh, please, please make sure you write all the, the messages to Disney Plus yes. at <laughs> Disney.com. <laughs> Uh, and use the hashtag Darkwing Duck said at the end, like at like bring Darkwing or hashtag Darkwing movie or whatever it was he said at the end of the movie. Make sure you yes. put that on social media. Absolutely. Vanessa, do you have any final thoughts? I would like to see Chippendale embrace rapping and come up with a better <laughs> lyric song. I love there that they don't eat whales. That's great. I love that rap. Uh, but knowing Andy Samberg, knowing John Mulaney, I think they could come up with something really incredible. I uh, will just say that I loved the last joke of the film where they're making fun of the fact they're going to have Post Malone sing the Rescue Rangers theme. And it's so great uh, because I hate that in films where you just want to hear that original theme. And here it is with and how many, you know, how much money did they back up to Post Malone to have him do this? And the fact that they made a joke at that at their own expense, just chef's kiss. It was so perfect. So perfect. 
this has been a lot of fun, Mike, to get you on the show and be able to talk to you about all this stuff. I know you're heading to Disney soon. So what are you looking forward to the most when you're going to be down there? Oh, man, I, it's Disney, man. There's so many things, but I'm going to try to get on the Guardians. I'm going to try to get on the new Guardians yeah. coaster. Guardians are like my What's your game. strategy there? Are you going to do like the individual lightning lane? Are you going to try? The yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm going to have to just, you know, throw some dollars, make it rain on Chapik uh, in order <laughs> in, in, in order to get on that ride. I, I mean, I'm going to try to do both. I'm going to try to buck the system, try to buy the lightning lane and get in on the virtual queue. Um, we're going to be staying at Boardwalk. So, you know, we're going to be right there. So hopefully, fingers crossed, at least one ride. And, and I'm hoping to to get uh, Blondie when I ride it. Uh, any Anything but anything but Conga. Like Conga seems the one to me, like the Gloria Stefan, that just doesn't seem to fit to me. The, the rest of them I'm okay with. Yeah, absolutely. Like, what is it? There's nine tracks, right? Or is it seven? Six. There's six. Six. From what I okay. say. Yeah. So it's like uh, Flock of Seagulls, I ran. Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Conga, One Way or Another. Oh, maybe there's seven. Yeah, One Way or Another. Disco Inferno, September, and I think nine to five from Dolly Parton. So there's seven. Ooh, so. I mean, that's that's a pretty solid playlist. I, I don't know, right? those rides, but that is making me have some fun yeah. a little bit. And, and I don't know... I, I, want to spoil any rides has anyone seen the 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 walkthrough or whatever with some of the some of the jokes that peter quill makes in the queue let's just say that i don't want to spoil anything you can look it out if you want but some of the quips he makes about old school epcot is fantastic so i'm really yeah, looking forward to that for sure for sure and what i love about what i love about this attraction is it seems like it is something that you cannot experience through a pov video that you have to actually go yes. and see because of the way that the projection screens are all around you. So on a POV video, it's not gonna look nearly like it would in the actual space. And I kind of appreciate that as someone mm -hmm. that really thought like, I had seen Rise of the Resistance a million times in the couple of years that I hadn't been in Galaxy's Edge, but to be able to actually be there and experience something like that is a, a completely different feeling. Same with Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. It was one of those where like I had seen it over and over again, but then when you're actually in that room and it feels like you're actually going down the waterfall and into the um, into the water, it's just like, it just completely changes your perception of that ride. And I think that that's extremely cool that the Imagineers do that because it gives something to the people that are actually going and experiencing that attraction. And one other thing I do have to add, I'm a big softie, hugging Mickey again for the first mm. time in forever. Oh, I, yeah. I, sorry, I'm, I'm a big softie. And so that, that's something I'm very much looking forward to as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm just excited to get back down there. I think the next time we will be down there will be for marathon weekend. And so I'll be running a lot in addition to um, going around and hugging Mickey awesome. as well. I'll be hugging him out of just sheer fear <laughs> of losing my life. Mickey, save me. <laughs> right, exactly. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just been great having you on and you're welcome back anytime and definitely let us know what uh, is going on as far as your Disney trip is concerned and all of that. And, and uh, if you do get to ride guardians, then definitely let us know how uh, all that goes for sure. Vanessa, you got anything else before I wrap this thing up? I just have to say that I'm with two people on this episode that have had the best costumes at the Mickey's not so scary Halloween party. Craig, you and Anna had dressed up as I think Mary Poppins and Bert one year. Yep, and then Mike, I, I'm assuming it was your wife and, and one other friend. You did the three characters from uh, the nightmare before Christmas. Yes. Lock, shock and barrel. That was, oh my uh, gosh. that was our most, that was our most recent. We've also at one point did um, toy story where I was Woody 
she was Bo Peep. Uh, we had her parents were Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. We had tour guide Barbie and Jesse all in our toy box. So that's amazing. I need that to is see amazing. this picture. And they're yes. bringing back they're bringing back the the Halloween parties. Like Anna has already talked about, like because we uh, buying into this whole DVC thing. She was like, "Do you think that there might be like a weekend we can sneak down there just for like a night to be able to do the Halloween party?" And I'm like, "Oh man, this is going to be an expensive proposition." Like I know you said that you're an annual pass holder now. It's probably much the same where you're like, "Yeah, I'm wasting money if I'm not there." That's why. Yeah, we usually go once or twice a year, and now it's been like, "Well, we got to make these things pay off." I mean, we got to pay for them somehow, so. Time for another trip. So yeah, we'll be going and uh, it's already starting the planning. I think it for what Rescue Rangers put into their planning for the movie is what we put into planning these costumes. My wife like <laughs> does everything by hand. It's like watching a costume shop and I just show up and she's like, I got this idea. And I'm like, cool, I'll wear it. We're good to go. Let's let's roll it. So yeah, it's always. Well, fun. that's excellent. Before I do all of my plugs, I know that you are starting to put out some podcasts uh, through Midwest Family and everything else that you're doing at the station. So please tell people where they can uh, track you down. Yeah, definitely. Thanks. I uh, really appreciate that. Yeah, we're doing some different stuff. Uh, Kevin Hart, who you both know, me and him are doing uh, something called the uh, Pop Culture Workshop, uh, where we kind of much like this, we kind of talk about What's happened this week in pop culture, TV shows, streaming, movies, you can find that the WMAY Facebook page, also through the WMAY website. Uh, and for fans who may remember Mike and Molson, uh, Mike and Molson are now doing a, a weekly podcast as well. So if you like just ridiculousness and chicanery, um, that's Mike and Molson podcast. If you like Rescue Rangers, uh, the dynamic with Chip and Dale, you'll love the Mike and Molson podcast because Johnny is very much Chip. He does not want any yes. of my, he wants none of my foolishness. I'm the lovable doofus and Johnny's Johnny. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, actually, one of is, my, one of my favorite shows was Mike and Molson. We would listen to it at work and you both are just so, so funny. So yes, everyone go listen to that. That's so great. Now are those shows, I know that they're on the WMAY.com site, but are they also available on podcast feeds as well? I know Mike and Molson is the pop culture workshop we're getting on, but right now you can find Mike and Molson, iHeart, Amazon, Google Podcasts. So just search Mike and Molson Podcast and wherever you uh, like to listen to your podcasts, we will be there for you. Uh, if you have 40 minutes that you just want to not have your mind work and just try to laugh, uh, I would I would recommend, shameless plug, I would recommend that podcast. That I would recommend uh, no, no shame in it. I would recommend that for sure to go check that out. Speaking of which, if this is your first episode, listening to beyond the mouse, we're missing Brett here tonight, but you know what? It was actually kind of nice, Vanessa. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Did uh, you enjoy not being uh, berated and, and picked on for a good hour? You know, uh, I do love that Brett. It's, it's funny because, uh, I, I think maybe he wasn't on tonight because he doesn't want to talk about the most recent results of our most recent draft that we had, he might be worried about potentially losing a title there. I don't know, but we'll have to figure that out in the future. But if you do want to go back and listen to any Beyond the Mouse uh, podcast episodes, you can find us wherever you find podcasts. You can definitely just search for Beyond the Mouse and you will hear Vanessa and Brett and I talk all things Disney. We also have some great interviews there that you can go back and check out as well. You can find us on social media, Beyond the Mouse Pod on Instagram, also Beyond Mouse on Twitter. On Facebook, there's two options for you. Beyond the Mouse Podcast is the page, but I actually really like the group. So go to Beyond the Mouse Podcast Pals. And that's where you can chat with all of us in that group. Mike's in that group as well. So you can uh, chat with him as well after this episode and give us your thoughts on what you thought of Chippendale Rescue Rangers. 
So it was great getting to chat all things Chip and Dale tonight, and we can't wait for more Disney fun in the future. But for now, for Beyond the Mouse, I am Craig. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Mike. And we will see you real soon in the front row. Maybe in the front row of Mickey's Not So Scary, right, Mike? You're going to get back back? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll be there. We'll be in the front row for that. Me and you, trick or treat. I think we should just end this with that laughter that just goes on too long. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, that's enough. <laughs>